0: And this is it's all good, man. The better, better call saw podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is my favorite Jolly Rancher flavor, Dave. Dave, how's it going this evening? Don't mess with my cuckoo. (laughs) I don't even know what that means.
1: (laughs) That's the song the uh, that's the song the driver's listening to when he gets uh, spike stripped by Mike.
0: (laughs) Oh man, that's such a good song. I was watching that, it's so catchy.
1: According to Wikipedia, it's like the Spanish version of my humps. Oh, really? They're basically saying don't mess with my ass.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's, uh, man, it's like later in the evening on Sunday night, Better Call Saul episode 209 will be airing tomorrow. But of course, as you're listening to this, it just got done airing. Uh, Before we jump into it, Dave, what did you think about the episode in three words?
1: best of season and my three words would be
0: uh i would agree so before we get into it (laughs) (laughs) before we get into it just a few things that i do want to announce to people um there's a few people i owe t-shirts to i promise they will be on the way tomorrow Uh, additionally if you've been listening to the nothing important podcast dave and i have been so busy lately and this takes up so much of our time that i have been playing uh some of our classic episodes quote unquote from when Dave and I actually started podcasting uh over like a year and a half ago yeah. and uh it, it's nice for those of you that are listening to that that never heard it before that's uh that's pretty cool our numbers are going up our audience is uh is uh, is it's increasing growing. yeah and it it makes me happy that uh, I figured out a way to bump those old episodes so it'll probably be new for a bunch of people that haven't heard them in quite a while. And it's kind of interesting listening to, uh, when we first talked to, uh, like C note from two white crew or uh, Greg yeah. Johnson, who is the creator of toe jam and Earl, just the, yeah. uh, just the difference in how we spoke back then. And even the difference in audio and such was, is pretty interesting, but I have a lot of things planned. I have a lot of feelers out there for guests. Uh, I have a lot of ideas going. So for the next week or so, it's probably going to be classic episodes of nothing important once again. But as long as people keep listening, I'll keep playing them. And then uh, when this wraps up, Dave and I can get back into the swing of things of actually uh, making new episodes, which would be nice.
1: Yes, it will. Because I believe I owe at least one that time of the month, probably two at this point.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the last thing I wanted to announce, Dave and I haven't really talked about it a lot but next week is the season finale and amc has been nice enough to give dave and i tickets to the season finale taping of talking saw so we'll be in studio at the uh i think it's the sony movie lot <laughs> down there in mm-hmm. la uh it, it should be a real fun time i don't know if we'll get to meet any of the guests or chris hardwick or anything like that but or it's incredible
1: or, or vince Gilligan,
0: yeah. But it's incredibly cool that AMC has given us the opportunity to go there. So we're going to try to sneak off as many picks as possible for you people. And I guess overall what we want to do is thank everybody out there for listening uh, because the T-shirt deal was a big deal for us, right? Mm Because how the T-shirts came to be was I just talked to the – me and Dave from last year had AMC Press uh, credentials, but the press site really doesn't do anything but give us – pictures and synopsis. And then I just kind of pushed my luck and I said, Hey, um, we have a lot of people out there, uh, that really enjoy the show. And our, our listeners are very, very passionate about the show. How about you put me on that fancy swag list that real media outlets get on. (laughs) And, uh, I, I like, I don't care about getting a better call Saul briefcase, but If you put me on the swag list, I will probably break down everything in the press kit for the, up for, you know, that you send me like all the goodies that you send me. And I will make those individual giveaways on the, uh, on the podcast. And the guy was like, well, you know what? That ship kind of sailed, but what I can do is I can send you t-shirts. So he sent us like a box of t-shirts of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul t-shirts, which was super cool. So then I kept pressing my luck further. And I'm like, well, you know, we've had a lot of the cast on our podcast. It's obvious that me and Dave are kind of invested in this for, for you know, to know right. financial benefit of our own. I was like, you know what, who would be a great guest on uh, Talking Saul? Dave and Brian. Like, <laughs> because I, I've seen other shows do that, bringing like podcasters for their particular niche or whatever. I, I didn't mm-hmm. think in a million years uh, that I would ever really do it. But hey, man, you you never know if you don't try, Right exactly right exactly we go, what, what the hell does it hurt to ask what's the worst they're gonna say no and then i'm not on no. the show anyway so who gives a shit right so right uh they said well you know the guests were booked way in advance of, of even asking uh but if you're gonna be in la uh april 18th uh i can get you t- tickets to the talking Saul finale taping and uh i was like well I don't have any plans, but I can buy a plane ticket. And so <laughs> that's the plan. So if everything goes according to plan, you know, we'll, we'll be there in the audience of uh, talking soft. Uh, obviously you probably won't hear from us or see us or anything like that. But if I could sneak off some pictures uh, for you guys, I would definitely do that. But even if say something happens and I'm not even able to make it right. The, the point is, is that we got the invite. Which is which is more than enough, I feel. Right, like that's right. Yeah, cool. exactly. And uh, that would never happen if you guys weren't so active on Twitter and you guys weren't, uh, you know, listening to us every week. So um, the thing about podcasting is, a lot of times when you get into podcasting, everybody's like on this big, like, oh, how do I get sponsors and and all this other bullshit. And uh, you know, Dave and I kind of toyed with the idea of that, but you know, we're more realistic than I think the average podcaster is. Like, you know, like we're nobody's going to give us. Be. Nobody's gonna give us like a car. Like and and this this like Amazon affiliate link bullshit where they're like, Hey, <laughs> why don't you spend a bunch of time promoting Amazon and then on the off chance that somebody buy goes to Amazon through your website, we'll throw you ten bucks. It's like go fuck yourself because unless you have like major numbers, pretty much I'm just working for you for free. And that's bullshit right. anyway. So there are episodes where you hear us mention it, but it was kind of more of a um uh, uh, we'll see what happens yeah, kind of thing. But like, we've always just kind All of right. felt that was a bullshit thing. That's like me saying like, um, like, like, Hey, why don't you promote this, uh, this car I'm trying to sell. And uh, every time somebody comes and looks at that car, I'll give you two bucks towards buying the car. It, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> and you, <laughs> no, you it's know, it's like really every,
1: like, every time somebody test drives the car, because I doubt we even got one person to click the freaking link.
0: Right. And it's, it's a numbers game, you know, for people like, yeah. Adam Corolla or uh, NPR radio that probably works out well, but they're, you know, they're, they're people with a following and, you know, they have an audience of six digits to millions of people. And, uh, we do not. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, long story short, uh, me and Dave always uh, went back to what we used to do back in our band days. And the whole thing was, Hey, if you can't get paid in cash, get paid in cool shit and just even receiving the invitation and having the guest on that we do and have you guys even just like tweeting us on Twitter or sending us notes on Facebook that, that to me counts as cool shit. So
1: as far as I'm concerned, we're getting paid more than we're worth. (laughs) Or, or starting uh, campaigns to get Patrick Fabian, his own show on Netflix. Yeah. Because that is happening right now to uh, Mr. Cohen and Mr. Copperpot yeah we're tweeting while we're doing it's all good man just so you guys know that
0: It's <laughs> <That's> awesome so <laughs> so what's gonna happen next week is um, you know we'll have because Dave and I will probably get the finale sometime this week we'll record this show uh sitting from the audience at Takas saw I'm gonna hit the publish button and that episode will be live and then tune in the week after that. And Dave and I will, uh, will talk about the experience and kind of what our plans are going forward, what we're going to do in the off season, what what yeah. I have planned for, nothing important. And there's even a possibility of like some other podcast for some other show in the meantime. But uh, give me and Dave like a week or so to put all that together. And um, big things ahead, fun things ahead. And it's all because of you. And we thank you. Is that enough, also uh,
1: from I, I thank you, too.
0: Dave. (laughs) Sincerely, comma.
1: My two cents, Dave.
0: All right. So I got the Heineken going. Dave's got the whiskey and water going. And uh, let's rock. Dave who doesn't drink. Yeah. Dave who doesn't drink had had some whiskey. Mm. So it should be interesting. So here we go. Better Call Saw, episode 209. we open back in the desert. We see the ice cream truck. The dude is rocking out to what's the name of the song?
1: Me cuckoo. <laughs> so awesome. Which is like my my butt, basically my rom, nice nice. Or my and hops. they were so don't. But they're they're saying don't mess with my cuckoo. <laughs>
0: so awesome. So um, so a bunch of just a just a position there, you know, you got the ice cream driver rocking out to don't touch my ass or whatever it breaks down to cruising through the (laughs) desert, rocking out. And, uh, Mike's waiting for him, waiting to ambush with him. We see that he's, uh, you know, driving the stick in the ground, he's setting up his little spike strip that he made at home with a nail and some hoses, Mm -hmm. of course, with the help of his granddaughter and, um, man, timing is everything. And it just worked out perfectly.
1: And Mike brought that truck to a screeching halt. That's right. The spike strip worked perfectly, and I love the clever setup where he's not pulling it straight across the road. He's down the road a little ways so he can sneak up on the guy later.
0: Yeah, Fucking yeah, that genius. was great. Totally. Uh, just absolutely genius. I love uh, Mike was kind of dressed like a ninja the whole time. Kind of, yeah, Ninja Mike. Ninja Mike, yeah. He gets the jump on the driver, uh, starts cutting open the tires with the all. There was like a slight second there where I was like, oh, he's going to take the all and threaten the guy with it but but then that really doesn't nope. fit mike's mo as we know it thus far
1: right and somebody was up on twitter i can't remember who at the moment i apologize uh bringing up points about the the ratchet sound at the garage when mike was scoping them out um, yeah that was when hector of, uh, could have seen him. so obviously taking tires off putting tires on money in the tires drugs in the tires so that's kind of what i thought right away yeah
0: no that's uh, yeah. The, uh i believe that was winston Brewingham called that like a week and a half ago
1: very nice very nice yeah catch.
0: well done well done well done i
1: honestly missed that one i didn't hear the ratchets in the garage
0: me neither i was just kind of like okay there uh, well remember uh last episode like i said i was kind of like okay it's a good episode but definitely not my favorite i'm sure if i went mm-hmm. back and watched it and for some reason it, 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 i guess i just i watched it twice and it just never clicked it just never right yeah occurred to me yeah, see, but the thing is, is um, it's not that Dave and I aren't all that observant. It's uh, weird trying to watch a show and take notes at the same time. It's almost like you're in school again.
1: Yeah, and, then, and selecting what you pay attention to sometimes. And yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. But opening scene was awesome. We finally got to see the uh, spike strip uh, come to fruition, and uh, Mike leaves the guy in the desert and hauls ass
1: and drives off. Hey, do you think that was a Pontiac 6,000? <laughs> Why? Isn't that what that you That was had? my car in college. Yeah. yeah, I had a Pontiac 6,000 in college <laughs> with the air ride suspension. Hell yeah. Dave used to have like that exact car,
0: but it was like in gold. And I was so amused because it has an air compressor in the back. So Dave and I used to stand on it
1: just to watch the air compressor kick on and lift up the back. <laughs> and then when you jump off, it's riding like, you know, 20 inches too high. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to be fat and in college again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so then we move on to the intro. It's the creepy water fountain intro. Uh,
1: that's a urinal, dude. Is that a urinal? There's a cigarette butt in there, and he's peeing on it. No. Oh.
0: <laughs> I just—I I think I—I I think I went over that last year. I think I said the same. Yeah, thing I remember last
1: year because I said, year, I said it, was like, it was like peeing all over his dreams, or like his dreams is gonna go down the drain. Uh, Yeah, and he's got the business card there. That that's true.
0: That's true. Yeah. So uh, the show opens, and Chuck is looking all dapper. He's got a meeting with uh with Hamlin, uh for Mesa Verde, right? He's got the he's got the opening, or he's got the hearing to open up the new branch, make sure everything's in order.
1: Yes, and he is absolutely imposing himself onto the situation. Like Howard's just like, dude, you don't have to do this. And he's like, hey, man, image, image is everything. We got to look presentable
0: yeah i i I like it you know he was kind of like a let's do this kind of thing and um i I, okay so like when they get in the car and they pull off and it, it was very much like a cartoon like jimmy was like watching from like one side of the tree and then the right. camera follows the car past, and then he looks off. You just he imagine
1: a little Zylo- There's a xylophone in the background.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. And he just kind of saunters
1: towards the house, holding like oh, papers. God damn it! I was gonna say way back in the early part that Mike uh, got the truck with a wily e. coyote trap. <laughs> I forgot to write that down. <laughs> Well, it's on now. I was gonna be like, <laughs> and Mike uses his wily e. coyote style spike strip. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so Jimmy hides behind the tree. He has to chuck's
0: home once he leaves, and uh, you know the most obvious thing ever. Yeah, he he has the papers. Uh, not a good plan just to walk with the papers out in the open because had that been me, it's a hundred percent certainty that at some point I would have. Uh, lost grip on the paper and then the papers would have had to been ruined and then my whole scheme would have been foiled
1: <laughs> but they that call that matter. lineman hands yeah exactly
0: stone fingers man stone fingers so uh it <laughs> cuts back to i Chuck. didn't even He's... notice that
1: he had the papers in his hands no You're... really no i didn't notice that yeah but he was no, like i watched it not even
0: not even in a folder or an envelope he oh. was just kind of holding them and like like hauling ass and i i would have dropped them all over and my scheme would have been ruined we see a close up of Chuck. He's kind of manning up, you know, and uh we see that he's going through a metal detector, which was kind of interesting. I uh I wasn't sure. I thought that was going to be a breakdown for sure, but he just kind of b-
1: balled up and went right through it. Yeah, he tends to man up when he has to, considering his disease is completely psychosomatic. Yeah. You know, you know what one little detail I loved
0: about that is when he got to the to the other side, he kind of like cracks his neck and like shoulder shrugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he's like yeah all right, game, game on let's go yeah like, let's do this yeah Ham- hamlin's hamlin's all impressed he's like he's like good job my friend like, like he just won the super well, bowl the, like,
1: there's a lot of like preparing for a fight body language with chuck whenever he gets into these situations
0: yeah well you know it it emphasizes the struggle that he's going through because even though man, you know the struggle a is best, real, man, the struggle is real well at least to him to everybody else is, is mostly bullshit but you know like He honestly believes that there's something wrong with him and something, uh, you know, something causing him an ailment. You know, he's fighting through, man. He's a survivor of electro-allergy. Magnetic. (laughs) Electromagnetic allergies. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So they're in the hearing. Everything appears to be on the up and up and on its way, and everybody's happy. And then, of course, the, uh, the address issue comes up. It's 1216 Rosella Drive. Uh, Chuck's pretty sure of it, but it's actually twelve sixty one on uh, the notice of intent. That's the actual address, twelve sixty one. But Chuck is sure that it's twelve sixteen because of what Jimmy did in the prior episode, and I absolutely loved it because uh, Chuck got
1: a little feisty there. I like the fact that when the clerk hands the paperwork to the chairman or whatever, is right when Kevin says attention to detail right at that moment. Because, like I said last week, this is all about, like, Jimmy doesn't even realize how the attention to detail factor, unless he did realize that, because I wasn't aware that Jimmy was going to replace the original documents and just put it all on Chuck. I thought that he was going to maybe keep the fakes in the files, and that way it looks like the whole company's bad. But no, he Hmm. put it all on Chuck by putting the originals back.
0: Yeah, that, well, that's what made that opening scene made sense. Is uh, like, as soon as I saw the papers, I'm like, oh, he's going to go back yeah. and like put the original just in case it comes back on him.
1: And as you know, the dumbass he, that didn't see the papers, I had to put that together <laughs> later.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Paige uh, steps up and she's like, "No, the address is." <laughs> Paige absolutely. finally speaks. Right, finally steps up and says, "No, it's it's absolutely 1261." And, uh, Chuck is kind of testy with her and he's like, no, you are mistaken and you're muddying
1: the waters. (laughs) It's yeah, he's, he's right. He double checked and triple checked. He knows Mm -hmm. he's right. He's doing the lawyer thing where, you know, he's just going to keep on acting like he's right until everybody believes him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And man, it was so genius how it played out because, uh, you know, it made Chuck look like an asshole. It made everybody look like they don't have their shit together. And uh, it's going to cost them another six weeks <laughs> before the uh, board can even revisit it. Like nothing catastrophic, but enough just to like, you know, it's it's not ca- catastrophic. Like it's going to bring the whole bank of Mesa Verde down. But in with, as far as the storyline goes, uh, pretty devastating for all around for such a simple tactic.
1: Yeah. It affects a lot more people than uh, I think Jimmy might've realized. Yep.
0: Yep, Uh, Mason Verde. They even say, "Hey, they they can't wait that long, and it's kind of tough shit. Like that's just where it's at. You got six weeks." And I like how he said, "With all due respect, it's it's your job to make sure every everything is accurate. Maybe you should double check." That's
1: just like you know, like twisting the knife a little bit. It's a little condescending to a man that's uh, on top of his game. I like how during all this, uh,
0: as the scene ends, it kind of pans out, and you can kind of hear the uh, the the
1: lights up above crackling you know and chuck's getting all stressed out and he's starting to feel it yeah that's good sound design right there i really like that how it just kind of gets more and more intense yep and uh yeah puts a space blanket on he goes back home to kind
0: of sulk he's like uh he, he's 100 percent sure he was 100 percent correct but even uh even hamlin doesn't believe him he's like dude like it made us all look bad like it made us all look mm-hmm. bad but I like Hamlin's attitude. It's like, okay, but you know what? We just kind of take it on the chin. We take our licks. I believe he said, and you know, let's let's move on from there. And I like how he even pointed out. um, He was like, well, you know, it. it, Look, it's not only you messed up, but like I messed up every uh, paralegal and everybody. Yeah, yeah, like it just just went through. You know, Hamlin was trying to keep a stiff stiff upper lip. He's like, hey, man, uh, you know, sucks, but. You know, go get him, Tiger, like a pat on the ass, and uh, Chuck. Chuck was like, well, "No, it
1: was it was the line. Uh, Everybody makes mistakes." when Chuck said, "No, nah, this wasn't a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> this was Jimmy because he looked he looked right at the spot where Jimmy was sitting when he woke up, and then it all hit him that he was out for a while, and Jimmy had the perfect opportunity to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, putting putting two and two together." Um, so then we're back at the Greek winker, although I'm wondering, Dave, if the translation is actually the winking Greek. I don't sometimes, know. sometimes the context and such gets a little messed up. Maybe somebody out there who reads or speaks Spanish could let us know. I, I don't know if it's the Greek winker or the winking Greek. I mean, it's the same it, thing.
1: But. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's what Google Translate told me, so... It's <laughs> a we'll so nice
0: little scene Mike is uh, again staked out across the street He's got his binoculars And uh, Hector is pissed
1: Oh yeah so I like how Hector's Flipping out and then he asks for his pill Because it's like it's leading up to when He's uh, basically a uh, invalid In Breaking Bad yeah. So it's like his sickness is starting to take And then Mike lowers his binoculars And he gives a little wink like ah Heck, <laughs> yeah, heck, he's, like, heck he's got some heck he's got some health issues Yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's like, it's like at that point he knew he won. Right. Well, I don't even think that, I think it's more like, this is interesting. Like this is going to come into place. He's going to be able to use this somehow Mm -hmm. because apparently he has a vendetta out for Hector. Right. Which I'm thinking might be related to his son's death. It's kind of like he's turning into Batman to justify and right some wrongs (laughs) in the world. But uh, yeah, that was just kind of like, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice. And then this is my, uh, the next scene, this is my, uh, I think for, I guess it's for as short as it was, it was one of my favorite scenes of the, of the entire show. You know, Mike is drinking at the mm-hmm. bar, you know, and he kind of looks at his newfound wealth and he's just like, fuck it. Hey, I'm buying a drink for everybody in the, uh, everybody in the bar. And he gets yeah. cheers. And I like how he like does the whole, like sticks his arms out. Like my right. people, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, I like how first he looks around and then he buys around. Yeah, which I wrote down on purpose to sound clever. Joke, insert <laughs> joke here. But yeah, he looks around and then he buys around because he's like, "Does anybody know me? Does anybody see this?" Okay, now let's do it. Buy yep. around.
0: It's awesome. I I uh I don't know. Just something about the last, just kind of triumphantly with his arms out though. I really oh yeah, like
1: it's that. it's that would be Mike's version of making it rain at the strip club.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. You know, on a side note, real quick, and uh, I, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but okay.
1: It, it's you made really it rain real in real a strip club? We've no, all done it, Brian. No, no, I've never.
0: No, uh, there used to be this bar in Daytona Beach called uh, Robbie O'Connell's. I'm not even sure if it's there anymore, but what was awesome about this bar was it had a bell on the wall, and the rule was if you rang the bell, you had to buy a round for everybody at the bar.
1: I remember you telling me about that.
0: Yeah. And it it, it never re- you know, it even had a warning sign if you ring the bell, which made people ring the bell even more to see if they would hold it to it. But if you had a tab, they would, you know, they'd add like how they'd count however many people were at the bar and you just bought yeah. everybody a drink. And it reminded me of this Well, yeah, one like time, you said,
1: oh, I wanted to inter- insert something though. When you said it, it makes people want to ring it more. It
0: makes people want like, to ring it more.
1: Like a light switch that says, do not flip the switch ever.
0: Yeah, man. I hope we find out what that did.
1: Well the it's last episode's called Switch. Or not no, it's called Click. Oh. So maybe it coincides.
0: Anyway, so there was a gentleman who was older at the time, and I think this is why I liked us so much, and it, it really reminded he's me of that. Younger
1: now. <laughs> right. But he was older at the time, but he's younger now.
0: Right. <laughs> you know what I mean. He I know. He was in Mike's uh, relative age bracket and I was sitting at the bar and he came in and rang the bell. And of course everybody cheers, right? Uh-huh. He must he must have rang that bell 20 times. Oh no. And each each time he did the whole like like do you like me now? <laughs> like arms <laughs> out like like are you entertained? Like like it was totally it was it it just looked like Mike and uh just uh, the way that that scene was filmed and stuff it just kind of brought up my uh, memories of my singles days uh living on the beach in Daytona and witnessing Somebody doing something similar. That's awesome. Yeah, it, w- it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Smash cut, Jimmy and Kimmy. I was trying to think of like a, uh, like a clever name where you like mold them together. Like yeah, Rangelina. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's either Jim or, uh, or Mick Wexler. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do the first name thing and it was cracking me up because I'm like, I see Kimmy or Jimmy Kim, Jim? uh, whatever. So anyway. It's the dentist's office. It's kind of fun. Uh, they're moving them heavy ass uh, dentist chairs. It kind of shows just a time lapse of uh, them putting the office together. I like that.
1: I like that time lapse too. I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Just because of the composition of it, or just because it shows. Yeah, the way progress? it fades
1: in. It, they well, they keep it short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Awesome, and just the way it fades across, and they're you know, as somebody who's painted a lot of buildings, painting kind of wrong. <laughs> No, I'm joking.
0: <laughs> I did appreciate that.
1: <laughs> I do appreciate they had like the blue painters tape up around. That's good because you want to keep your line straight. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Although I'm not really sure if uh, if they laid it if they laid the paint off properly. Mm. And uh, Jimmy's, you know, his roller strokes are definitely you know lacking a little bit. But
0: um, <laughs> he could have done better.
1: You even kind of. But I would imagine if he did it properly, by the time they shot the whole scene, he'd probably have painted the whole thing twice. Uh. So just keep it to one little area. Just for the scene. you know. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Kim gets a call. But from if you're going to roll her a wall, use the extension <laughs> handle. Stand about three feet away, start in the middle, get a.
0: <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so Kim gets a call from Paige. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting you to interrupt me there. No, so Kim, gets- <laughs> Kim gets a call from Paige. Uh, it, it, it's obvious from her body language that she gets Mesa Verde back and it Mm -hmm. uh, cracks me up how smooth Jimmy was where he just kind of keeps on going about his own thing. But come on, dude, he totally knew what that call was about. He had a feeling about that. He was just really good at playing it off.
1: I was debating that personally. I was like this, he know, is he, yeah, it's not that important, but he knew what he was doing. He knew they're going to call her and what the hell is a Westfall terminal? No clue. Uh, yeah, i don't even know if that's what she said i swear she said westfall terminal she's like i don't even know anybody that, i'll have to find somebody that can do that yeah i yeah i don't even know what that is maybe that's something we should have looked up before we actually did this or we can ask one of our listeners that's uh into lawyers
0: <laughs> yeah let's talk about any t-shirts though because uh i'm not sure how many i have left i think i might have one okay. or two left
1: so. so if you just want to participate and tell us what she said and what it is thanks <laughs> a westfall terminal in advance i think that's all what right. she said i don't know gotcha all right you ready here we go let's continue um you just jump back in you don't have to ask me if i'm ready i'm always ready okay. Brian. <laughs> uh so the call interrupt from you r- if i have something to say <laughs>
0: <laughs> the call is from ernesto uh saying that chuck's already ready to turn over the files which was kind of surprising kim asked jimmy if he wants to come with You know, if he's going to gloat or if he's going to help in low column A, column B. They meet Chuck at his house, uh, and the first thing that we see is that the locks have been changed on the door.
1: Yeah, because what the hell? Mr. McGill had Ernie call a locksmith to change the locks? Seriously, dude, you can't go down and freaking Menards spend 15 bucks on a (laughs) new new set of locks and change it yourself? It's two screws.
0: Yeah, but he's he's a big-time lawyer, man. He's got money. He doesn't need to why why do you stuff uh what's that chuck the yuppie exactly
1: why why do you stuff
0: yourself (laughs) when you could pay for somebody else to do it
1: hey you know well it's just job security for other people circulate money throughout the economy look i get it okay i get it i've been there (laughs) but there's also something to be said for changing your own locks on your house i like how uh, jimmy walks in and he's like uh
0: what's the deal like the locks are changed what's the deal (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it's so awesome getting the jump on his whole story (laughs) like a surprise you know because he's got to put it out there first that he had nothing to do with that he couldn't wait to be accused he's got to throw the onus on somebody to
1: explain to him hey man he's been he's been at this since eighth grade he's smart he knows smart move he knows what's up
0: absolutely uh chuck goes into the whole uh you know even says he, he wanted to have the conversation with kim but since uh jimmy's there they're just gonna clear the whole air get everything out into the open and then
1: he's uh because chuck is expecting this big moment where he's gonna like finally get uh, him man. he's gonna blow kim's mind and yeah. make her realize <laughs> what's going on and she's gonna take chuck's side and he's got him
0: right like and it, you can even kind of feel that when he says he sabotaged me and then there was like that awkward pause where it was like he was
1: expecting like a what but everybody right. just kind
0: of kept quiet like didn't get was the, like
1: go on <laughs> please explain yourself
0: yeah which he does
1: it, it, to a t he's got the whole story perfect yeah yeah exactly
0: like i i couldn't decide if that was super uh realistic or just a little too a little too good but then you think about like the characters and how they're portrayed and stuff but yeah man he totally uh had it all had it all figured out you know with uh jimmy staying over and how he went through the files and he didn't even have a video of that
1: and he had it he had it broken down, man. Right. And I like how he's just like, that's a lot of work. And he's just like, Well, no one ever accused you of being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he doesn't put it past him to put that much
0: into it. The only the only thing that seemed a little too on the nose for whatever reason, and it made me like I kinda like, What? Like wince a little bit, I guess, is when he uh he says, You're gonna need a, a printer for that and then he he's like, There's a twenty four hour copy max or <laughs> whatever the hell like, right, like He didn't exactly describe the building, but like it, for some reason, that line about the 24 hour copy center was like a little too on the nose for me.
1: See, I I disagree because he knew what time of day it was. He knew it was at night and those things were way more popular in 2002 or whatever year it is Mm. than they are now. Yeah,
0: no, it it makes complete sense. It's just something that made my ears perk up a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm. Like to mm-hmm. me, it sounded odd, but like it—it it makes absolute absolute sense <laughs> in, uh, in the grand scheme of things. It's just uh, something about it, just kind of a little, little too
1: clever. Yeah, a little too like much. That. You got you got a little too many details, right? Right. Yeah. It was
0: just like what? So, um, you know, he's talking about how twelve sixty one, you know, it became twelve sixteen, blah blah blah. But it was revealed that Jimmy had a uh, fake ID business back in high school.
1: That's right. Him and Mozart apparently.
0: Yeah, <laughs> both started early. And uh I like how the whole time like I couldn't tell if uh like Jimmy in the background like uh I don't know, I kept I kept looking for his reaction. I couldn't tell if he was like the jig is up or uh or he was just trying oh, no. to act like like pourquoi. <laughs> like, like, no, I like, think
1: yeah, I think he's he's clutching onto this like a cornerstone dude. Like he's going down with the ship on this one. <laughs> you got to own it, right? Yeah, he's, that's, Hey, that's how he gets away with everything Fake <laughs> like, it till you make it <laughs> <laughs> Uh
0: Chuck calls on Kim To do uh, full disclosure And she says, well, that basically opens Jimmy up to a litany Of charges so right, She's still she kind lawy- of concerned about she him She lawyers him back mm-hmm. Exactly, and then she presses him for evidence And his evidence is just, I've kind of known the guy My entire life
1: Probably not admissible in court, Dave No, no, that's, uh, that's why, you know, Kim lawyering back and she kind of Chuck was stunned. Like, Whoa, crap. I really have no physical evidence to prove this case whatsoever, (laughs) you know? And then she goes a step further and starts telling Chuck that he caused it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like totally put everything of their entire lives back on him. And see, this is another spot where I was watching Jimmy's face and it was, uh, he it was like, I couldn't tell if he was like, even he was like befuddled. Like, wait a minute, does does is she being genuine or does she know that I did this and she's playing it off
1: to help me? A little column A and a little column B.
0: Right. It was like almost he was like surprised by her reaction. Right. Like, or he, yeah, it was like he didn't know where where it was going to end up.
1: Right. That's how and I. I, think. I I think this is the best scene of the entire series. Well, about at least the entire season. All the best scenes take place in Chuck's house but because it shows everybody's flaws they all of the three three characters all their flaws come out in this scene right yep they're they're everybody's myopic and kind of self-centered but they're all covering up other bullshit and blah 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 and then and kim's really yeah because she's gonna totally take jimmy's side on this because uh she loves him and she's gonna get a lot of money
0: (laughs) right right right
1: you know and uh you know, there's probably a little revenge in that,
0: too, because uh, she probably still feels that they took her client that she brought. That's right.
1: In. I didn't even think about all the time in the cornfields. Yeah. Yeah. There's some payback which there. Which is Howard's thing. But that right. was Howard's thing. But, but she's it's still she's because screwing because- Howard by taking, by getting Mesa Verde screws Howard, too.
0: Right. Exactly. It just kind of happened to come through a means of which she had already warned Jimmy previously not to do.
1: Right. Right. Yep. And uh, he pays for it because she punches him. <laughs> well, hold on. Hold on. Damn, oh yeah, I don't know where I'm going to put this in because I had a couple more thoughts on that scene. Just put them out. Uh, one is that um, you ever notice how Chuck always Chuck always seems healthy when he's dealing with Jimmy, but then when he's dealing with the when he's dealing directly with Jimmy, he seems healthy. When he's dealing with the effects of what Jimmy does, he seems sick. It's like he's the cause of and solution to all of Chuck's problems, like beer is to Homer Simpson.
0: Right. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> so it's more like a. It's more like all caused by the way that Jimmy's actions reflect on him, as opposed to dealing with Jimmy himself. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay.
1: Valid. Yeah. Solid point. Interesting. It's like a point? symbiotic relationship with himself.
0: Yeah, very much like a woodpecker on the back of a hippo, indeed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or the
0: pilot fish but yes, to a Kim- shark.
1: <laughs> so, um, Kim- so then, yes, Kim punches Jimmy, which is the solidification of the notion that, uh, yeah, she totally knows that he did it, and mm-hmm. she totally just offended him and kept him out of trouble again. <laughs> right, and the whole just drive. Well, I want, you know,
0: just drive exactly. Um. Then I think it went into a commercial, and I wasn't really sure where it was going to go from there. But I did like that it opened up with uh, kids playing tetherball. I used to love tetherball.
1: Yeah, it takes me back to—I was always terrible at it, actually. No, the key was you had to grab the rope. (laughs)
0: You had to grab the rope. That's cheating, Brian. No, and you had to swing. Well, even if you're not cheating, all you had to do was hit the ball higher than anybody could reach, and you win, like, every game. Yeah, and then it was winners always serve, so like all you had to do was win
1: one game, and you could go undefeated the rest of recess. Yeah, because all you had to do was throw the ball straight down so it pops up over the other person's head because uh, apparently it's legal to just grab the ball and throw it. <laughs> Tetherball. ball. Tether ball is for keeps, man.
0: I would play tether ball to this day if I had tether ball in the backyard. Kristen? I used to have tether ball in the backyard at my house, but I had nobody to play with. Oh, and I no, come to my house. that's the saddest thing i've ever heard i hope that came through the microphone if that didn't come through the microphone my wife just said she used to have tetherball in her backyard but uh nobody used to come play but you lived out in the country so
1: well you should have called my cousin because she used to make me play with her in her backyard <laughs> oh, childhood trauma is awesome so i'm wondering <laughs> i would like some uh listener feedback on this is tetherball a midwest thing or is that a countrywide thing? Because I know this is Albuquerque, but because um, I don't see it anymore. But back when we were teenagers, everybody had a freaking PVC pipe and a freaking rope and a ball on it. Yeah. Well, you had to buy. It. Well, the worst part about it was is you had to buy like the special volleyball with the uh,
0: with the hook on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking. And then it would suck because every once in a while you'd you'd go to spike the ball and you'd hit the hook where the rope connected oh, that to was the ball. The worst. Yeah. And it like break your <laughs> break your knuckle or break your hand. It sucked. So <laughs> <That's laughs> uh, I just
1: grab the rope. Apparently, but it was
0: for keeps, man. Like it, you know what the best part about tetherball was is like as the rope started to get smaller and smaller and smaller, and you could time it just right. You just kept like smacking the hell out of it, and there's yeah. nothing anybody until it finally hit
1: the pole. That was that was like the death roll. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like yeah. Once you you just you know you're at the point of no return where you I'm not or you just stick your hand up there. And take, because sometimes you get that that hard hook hits your hand when you just throw your hand up there to stop it from spinning. (laughs) I think I did that once. It turned so bad I never did it again.
0: (laughs) Ah, So uh, it turns out they're out of school. Jimmy and the film nerds and a new
1: makeup girl. I don't remember seeing the makeup girl before. No, I don't either. I just remember I wrote down uh, the film students and a makeup student yep
0: uh show up uh to make their commercial and uh i i like how the safety word was rhubarb <laughs> as the teachers are coming out rhubarb rhubarb and of course jimmy goes into
1: uh you know his whole uh, uh, uh another like somewhat plausible because of its ridiculousness kind of explanation right yeah it's just asinine enough to be legit <laughs> right so, for the record, Rupert Holmes' his father was a U.S. citizen. He was in the mm-hmm. Army. And uh, his real name is David Goldstein. Really? Yeah.
0: That's interesting. I did not know that.
1: I went to Wikipedia. Oh.
0: <laughs> I like how you makeup keep- girl calls him out. She's like, wait a minute, wasn't he English? i like, yeah, right. yes, he was.
1: But he but was he- there for his formative years. Right. Well, he actually went to New York for his formative mm-hmm. years. So, mm-hmm. that is a lie. Our lie detector determined... If that was a lie.
0: <laughs> I like how he started singing the pina colada song and the uh, yeah, the, the Until, more mousy- went, the ones dancing. <laughs> yeah, she was kind of digging it, right? Like he was, he was charming her.
1: He was charming hey, her. Hey, the man's a Svenguli, out uh, of Svengali,
0: Svengali, not Svenguli. That was like Rich Coes on like uh, early morning Chicago TV. Also filmed in the area that Jimmy McGill is from. Hmm. Indeed. I like how he makes up the story about Annette, you know, from the superintendent's office and how they had all the permits. And I like how he's like, wait a minute. Isn't there supposed to be a plaque? There's a plaque around here, right? Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. I, that's, that's my favorite way to lie is when you turn it around on them and then you uh-huh. act like they were supposed to like provide something for you. Right. And then that just gets their brain twisted up and they're just like, what, what we were supposed to accommodate you with this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they go inside and uh, I love it right before they go inside. Cause of the teachers said, well, we're going to go call the superintendent's office and, uh, in the meantime, we'll see what we can do to keep these kids quiet. Yeah, <laughs> which is all he wanted anyway.
1: Exactly. God, I awesome. want to see this commercial. I really want to see this commercial. I can't wait till next episode. I know. Do you think they'll have it on the next episode? I think it's going to be probably opening up the first episode, the next episode.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: Because he did say, "That's well, later on, whatever." Where is it at? Oh, I didn't say what day. I think he said tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow at eleven o'clock or whatever.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's that's Aaron. later. In
1: the, yeah, later in the episode. Anyway,
0: all right, it'll be in the next uh, episode. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, cut to Mike in the diner. Uh, he, I think he's hitting on Fran.
1: Oh, they're definitely flirting. Yeah, totally. For sure. All I want is on him. You want to come shovel my snow? <laughs> right. Does it snow in Albuquerque? Does it really? It snowed when I was living in uh, Phoenix. Oh. For about 30 seconds. Oh. Yeah. Nice.
0: It snowed one one time when I lived in Orlando. It snowed so much that, um, like, it was like if the snow passed a streetlight, you could see the snow in the streetlight, but it still never made it to the ground. <laughs> and people in Orlando uh, acted like that was like a blizzard, like it was the craziest thing. That's awesome. Which is insane because it's uh, almost the middle of April and we literally had an inch and a half of snow here just two days
1: ago. <laughs> oh yeah, I was driving home from the studio when it almost pulled over. Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah.
0: All right. Anyway, back to the show. So uh, he, he's flirting with the waitress. He's all happy, happy Mike. He just bought everybody a round of drinks. He's, he seems pretty content. Gets a call from Nacho. And uh, I absolutely love the huge-ass flip
1: phone that he had. <laughs> I think something's going to happen to Fran, too. Maybe I'll save that for Pop. I'll save mm-hmm. it for prop. But just a little tease that. I think Fran's going to get involved in ways she doesn't want to be.
0: Mm, nice. Mm.
1: Well, we'll talk about it later in the week, which means we'll probably forget about
0: it by the time we get there, but <laughs> let's try not to forget about it. <laughs> All right. If somebody could do us a favor and on a Thursday morning, if you could tweet Dave and remind him that he's supposed to talk about what's going to happen to Fran on a preview with a prior, we sure would appreciate it. <laughs> we're going to use the listeners as alarm clocks. That's what we're going to do. Okay.
1: Like, yeah. Just, uh, just tweet us. Just tweet us to remind us and we'll try to get it in there. Well, it's funny because Mike makes the comment in the next scene about how you guys don't, you're not half as clever, smart as you think you are. Mm-hmm. I think Mike's being watched also. No, I don't know. Because then Wait. Nacho responds with, Hector forgot about you and you're nothing to him. Yeah. Well, we, we do you want to jump
0: into that scene then? All right. Nacho and Mike meet at uh, the warehouse in their own little. I don't know what that is. Is that like a chicken warehouse? Is that like where they, they like a bunch of chicken pens? I'm not really sure what that is.
1: I don't know. I don't know what. Honestly, I don't know what that is. It's just like uh, some sort of industrial thing. I think that's a technical term. It's an industrial thing.
0: Industrial thing. Mm. Turns out Mike got away with a quarter million dollars. Not a bad payday. Yeah, seemed better for the price of gas and the price of a hose and some nails. <laughs> not bad at all.
1: If for, that's, what is the cost of corrupting your granddaughter? <laughs> <laughs> I like how they knew it was, uh, I like how Nacho knew it was Mark because uh, he's the only guy that would have kept the driver alive. Exactly. Like uh, I when the thing before about how he said, what's Hugo, you went a long way not to pull the trigger. I kind of felt like there was something to that. And yeah, it's his, uh, it's his tell. It's his tip, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. I like how he was also honorable towards Mike, and he said, "I'm not going to squeeze you for any of the money." Right? Yeah, he's he's because he knows he needs Mike. He's got Tuco coming out later. Right? Yeah, he he can't and like that's the thing is I, I'm wondering why Mike is continuing like why is he pursuing Hector? Why is he trying to screw Hector over? Is it just for the money? No, it's well, is it, well, a, is it a, a vigilante thing? But then again, he knows that Tuko is going to come into play later, so he's not really done until that situation is resolved.
0: Yeah, I, I think right. he's
1: just pissed that uh I think he's just
0: pissed that they threatened his granddaughter. So there was some sort of like yeah, you know, I don't I don't think he gives a shit,
1: but I think he's still sore over the fact that they threatened his granddaughter. That's true because they also the, he he gives a look when he talks about the Good Samaritan that picked up the driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, and Mike just has that look like he killed that dude, like Because he said what happened to the good Samaritan. He's like, Well he shot him in the face. And then I think that affected Mike to where Mike's like, All right, I want to kick it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you're really that bad. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I better. I better
0: step up my game. I like how. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like how Nacho also thought that Mike and the driver were in on it. That Mike had somehow yeah. corrupted the the driver.
1: Like, there's no way that Mike could have pulled this off by himself without being known or yeah. uh, leaving it behind anything.
0: And then, and then that's when he says, "Well, you're not as smart as you guys uh, think you He's are." And then he he kind of starts getting grilled. <laughs> he starts getting. Cause uh, Nacho then started asking him, you know, did did um, did the driver ever see you? Does he know anything about you? Mm-hmm. And Mike's like, no, I didn't. I didn't talk. He didn't see my face. He Any saw a dude with a ski mask. Yeah, saw, but remember, there was a scene while that was all going down in the opening scene. There was uh, it showed the point of view of the driver of the truck, and he got a very good look at that blue car, which is why
1: Mike used the blue car, not his R- car.
0: Right, but it just seems to me that that still somehow is going to come back and haunt him because because it just seemed weird to me that like they focused so much on him looking at the blue car. And then later in the episode, he was asked if, if the driver knew anything about Mike, and Mike was like, no, I had all the bases covered, but he didn't have all the bases covered because the guy got a great view of the blue car. so unless but he, he liked- did
1: have, But I disagree because he did have all his bases covered because that's not Mike's car. But that's it is red, Mike's that's car. That's red hat. It's a red herring.
0: It's not I Mike's think, car. Right.
1: Mike has a maroon car. He mm-hmm. he wanted the driver to see the blue car. He's going to use that to trap later. Mm. Yeah,
0: when, when you put it like that, I'm I'm just gonna have to go ahead and agree with myself and say say that it somehow <laughs> gets say that it somehow gets uh it gets tracked back to Mike. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I just think it was too man i don't know i i just think i there has to in my mind there has to be more to it why they made it a point to show the guy looking at the blue car and then asking all the questions of whether or not that my the the driver saw mike oh okay Uh, two things and i know i know it's not his typical red piece of shit that he wanted reupholstered i'm just saying that that's a loose
1: end man i think it's an intentional loose end because mike's they're showing mike to be that clever he parked it behind the sign. He knew the driver was going to look that direction because okay. he snuck up from the other direction without being seen. He knew to hide down the road. The guy was going to look back at the tire strip, see a blue car. That's the last thing he's going to see before Mike puts some steel to his head. hmm So I think he did. The, uh, I can see it coming back negatively on Mike. If, if they asked the driver, like, did you see anything? And the driver says, I saw a car. And Nacho says, oh, he saw Mike's car. starts flipping out. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he's gonna be like, I saw a blue car, and then they're gonna go find the blue car, and it's gonna have like an acetylene bomb in it or something. And <laughs> I think Mike's trapping him with the blue car. Mat Mike's uh catfishing him. If Cat you will. Fishing. False flag. It's a false flag operation, my friend.
0: Okay. Well, we'll just have to see how it plays out. I, I like uh Mike's demeanor that entire time. He's completely unimpressed and relaxed, and he got his hand in his pocket. Even even when Nacho reaches back to put his hand on his gun,
1: yeah, and then you know Pop Pop kicks in and says, "You need to calm yourself." <laughs> yeah, you
0: need to take that hand out of that pocket. Like <laughs> That was to- he gramping him out, man. That was totally <laughs> gramping him out.
1: <laughs> well, there, there's something about the phrase when you tell me to do something and you you say yourself like you need to calm yourself, you need mm-hmm. to check yourself. That's that, it, it angers me a little. That's yeah. like so condescending.
0: Well, he he definitely need to uh, check himself, least he wreck himself, my friend. Right, which he did. No, no mm-hmm. self wreckage happened. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. And uh, that's when that's when he finds out. You know, he's like, why wasn't it in the papers? And he, he you know, he, he basically tried the same bullshit where he tried to get the cops involved to clean up the mess. And mm-hmm. was like, dude, that is such fucking
1: bullshit. Um, but then it comes back on Nacho and all that. Yeah, to yeah, that.
0: totally, totally. And a couple things, you know, Mike, well, Mike was like, okay, well, then why wasn't it in the papers? And that's when he finds out that his actions got a good Samaritan killed.
1: Yeah. And the, and the look on Mike's face before he got into the car from hearing that made me write in my notes, Mike equals Batman.
0: (laughs) He is very much like
1: Batman. Yeah. And he's just kind of, maybe he's just out for the greater good. You know, he's just this, Mm -hmm. this Hector. Like I said, maybe it's a way of healing his pain from his son dying or something. Absolutely. Um, We're at the toothbrush scene. Yeah, no Kim. Was she there? She wasn't there. No, it was sneaky because it shows you the one toothbrush and you're like, oh, Jimmy's alone. And then he puts the second one in like, oh, Kimmy's there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I like how that's
1: kind of become like a running uh,
0: theme. Mm -hmm. Like a running visual cue. you, You can feel the tension. You can feel the tension in the air as a married it's person. I, yeah, I know I know that tension well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, well, it, you know, it just happens when, well, this is a way major thing that I ever got grief for. Like, for me, it's like, um, you know, like, I'll, I'll drink like the last Diet Coke. And then, like, it's like, all right, like, you know, elephant in the room, last Diet Coke. Like, my bad. I'll go buy diet, diet Coke or something. This is a significantly a bigger deal than... A Diet Coke, you know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) Especially the... I like how uh, Jimmy once again tries to get a jump on things, and he's just trying to level with her, I guess, of sorts, and ask her if she wants to talk about it,
1: and uh, she just kind of shuts that shit down, like, nope. Yeah, nope, not now, not ever. She's not. She's torn. She's in a moral dilemma. She doesn't really know if she did a good thing or not. I think she's secretly happy that things are playing Mm -hmm. out this way, but she can't.
0: Right, like, you know. the the result is exactly what she wanted. The method to which it got there was exactly
1: mm-hmm. her ideal of the way that it should have got back there. Right, but also, I mean, he did it all for her. As Chuck said, it was a big, grand, romantic gesture, and it was, so, I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah. How can you be mad um, at somebody that'll, that'll commit felonies for you? I mean, mm-hmm. I'd kill for you, my friend. <laughs> I'd kill you too, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like... But I like how I I noticed that Kim's, like, she's dropping all these hints about Chuck, right? Like, he's such a great lawyer, attention to detail, he's not going to leave every stone unturned, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But she's the one that sets him off on this path. By pointing out, you have no evidence in the argument from before. Mm -hmm. That got Chuck going like, okay, well, now I need to get some hard evidence, and now I'm going to go pursue that. So she kind of set Chuck on the rampage. Right. Right. And she planted the seeds
0: of doubt in Jimmy's head. Right. And right. also because he, he, yeah. he was all content and ready to go to sleep. And then she brought up the fact that, you know, he, he'd he make a great adversary. So you might want to make sure that all your eyes are dotted and all your T's across. And once again, I know that uh, I know that feeling because there'll be nice when I try to go to sleep. And then my wife says something like, uh, did you lock the front door? And even though I know I
1: locked the front door, I gotta get right. up and go check the front. Like ah shit, like. <laughs> so here's the thing. So that's her looking out for Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. She knows totally... he. She know she knows he did this. No, she's making sure he doesn't get in trouble.
0: Right. Yeah, but like doing it in a totally like shitty way. Right. Like while while still illustrating that she's she's pretty goddamn pissed about the whole situation that she's been right, tossed yeah. into. But it's just kind of like, okay, asshole. Yeah, if we're in this together, this is yeah. <laughs> this is what you should probably go, look out for. Without expressly saying,
1: yeah, yeah. So so Jimmy grabs his keys, heads over to the copy place where we see uh, Brandon Hampton's stunt double get in the car and drive off. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering that. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> do you think that was well?
0: He doesn't know how to drive stick shifts. so that's so awesome that his stunt double had to get in the car and drive. <laughs> What, you know? What really impressed me about that scene was that is uh, is how Jimmy got in his car and backed up down an alley and around the building. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> slick. That was so smooth. That, that was some uh, stunt driver type. That was stunt driver, but it like that was <laughs> wonder, stunt, that was that was more that of was a stunt b- than uh, Brandon Hampton's stunt double driving the car down the street. Do you think it was Brandon Hampton's stunt double? I don't know. Either way, it just cracked me <laughs> up. How. Uh, that shitty ass car just going full bore backwards down an alley and then whipping behind a building. Yeah. That was great. That
1: was so smooth. I wonder if it was sped that, it up or if it was just a really good driver.
0: It's pretty damn impressive. Yes. <laughs> so once Ernesto leaves the shop, uh Jimmy kind of pounces and uh he bribes the uh, print shop worker. Which was nice. It's good to see yeah. some good old-fashioned
1: bribery. Great casting call on the print shop worker. The mm-hmm. like is he stoned? Is he mentally handicapped? Uh, you know, whatever, kind of nervous. Or is he just a zombie from working overnight all the time? Right, just, yeah. Like that's yeah. just the kind of person that just is a, that works that kind of a job.
0: Yeah, we can we can
1: relate to that kind of a little bit. Been there. Our, our, yeah, totally. Yeah, when we were no longer allowed to work together at the truck stop we both worked at, then one of us was always on midnights. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like how he uh he he did a good job of covering his ass too, because he asked if it was like a murder or does somebody rob somebody like a rob a yeah, bank. that's, that's I would have
1: I would have like see cash, grab cash. I see nothing. You know? <laughs> right, I see that's nothing me. about. I see nothing about anything ever. Like like what? Who? Where are we? Is this a photo sh- copy shop? I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he did the upsell because uh, Jimmy asked about the uh, about the cassettes and asked if it would be a hundred dollars.
1: Uh, you know, expensive to get rid of the tapes. And this is where the cunning linguist in me comes into play because I love the uh, the cameras. It could be tricky and expensive. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yep. And he he got another couple hundred extra bucks. Good for that guy. That guy is. Uh, you go far.
1: Yeah. He says you'll go far.
0: Entrepreneur. Totally. Yeah.
1: Um. There's that game recognized game from before with the uh, epileptic dad. Indeed. Indeed. Then uh, Chuck
0: shows up and uh, he's going to grill the copy guy who had already been prepped by Jimmy,
1: which is a good move and a smart move on Jimmy's part. I, and I, I'm thinking the entire time that this dude's going to crack.
0: Yeah, I thought so too. Especially the way that mm-hmm. they, they kind of had it set up where Jimmy's kind of watching from across the street and he's just kind of like talking to him. He's like, that's my guy. Yep. That's my guy. I thought it was just going to be like a monumental
1: failure. <laughs> like, but nope, the dude doesn't crack chuck's head does <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs>
1: that's so awesome that that was uh, a
2: great way to
0: such a great way to end the episode he's just getting more and more infuriated and that makes him more and more susceptible to all the uh, electronic shit in there and then it, it just kind of gets crazier because then like the two girls working the copier then needs help and he's trying to play mm-hmm. it off and everything uh just kind of culminated with uh chuck smashes his head off the table <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I having watched it twice. I had the same reaction both times. Like, oh, like I didn't see that coming. I thought he's gonna <laughs> fall to the ground. I really thought he's right. gonna fall to the ground, but wow. Yeah, I thought I thought deal. it was gonna I
0: thought it was gonna be a heart attack, but the uh, the oh, blunt yeah. the blunt head trauma is so much more visceral.
1: It's it's so much better. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, oh, and he's like, and yeah, like the whole like call nine one one, call nine one one. Yeah, like, You know, when you're sitting there, it's like you're watching somebody that's doing something they should be doing, and you're just like, yeah, the frustration. And seriously, right. why the hell didn't anybody call 911?
0: Right. Because <laughs> it's, it's a plot device.
1: Because a plot device because I think Jimmy's going to intervene. You think so? That's a tough spot, man. What do you think he's going to do?
0: No, nah, I think they'll probably pull some shit where it's all suspenseful right now. But uh, what's going to happen is like when we catch back up for the finale, chucks in the hospital and he's all banged up and then it turns out somebody did call 911 and
1: then um and, and it moves on from there right but what i'm saying is right you're, so you no you're so saying that you think he's going to stay out of it you don't think jimmy's going to rush to his brother's aid
0: no i i, I just think I, I don't know i just get the feeling that it's going to be one of these things where like while it's dramatic like not as much time lapses as possible so why it ends with him saying you know call 911 call 911 the next episode is going to open up and it's going to show like Chuck all bandaged And somebody did call nine one one, but it, it was just that this episode was just ending with the emphasis on how Jimmy was feeling because he he's essentially caused all that mess and everything can come crashing down. And then on the other side of it, uh, he doesn't blow his cover, which makes it even worse. You see what I'm saying? Like That's exactly then, what I was getting at. Yeah. And then it'll come out like, like Chuck will be in the hospital or something once again. And then somehow through that, it'll come out that Jimmy was there the whole time and saw all that happen. So like not or like it'll make it worse than him running across the street and blowing up his own thing. It'll just so happen that somebody did actually call 911 in a few seconds after and then that's gonna be the catalyst for how everybody finds out. Okay. Um wait, or Chuck dies, it... one or the other. <laughs> or... Because him running in because him running in to be the hero blows everything up, but it gives him a little bit of a redeeming quality. Him letting somebody else call nine one one, acting as if he didn't know what the hell happened, and then it comes out in the open that he was actually there to see it all happen and he didn't help his brother. After he smacked his head, will make
1: him look all that much more worse. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, was, that's kind of what I was thinking because I don't think I could stand there and not blow my cover. I think at that point I'm running in to see if my brother's okay. It is National Sibling Day today, by the way. That's such so, a bullshit holiday.
0: I'm not even going to recognize that. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> right. Well, but, I don't know. But Chuck could very well die, and that would be uh, two episode 10 funerals, and then Kim Wexler could be uh, – season threes episode Three. 10, you know. <laughs> how dark would that be if they made everybody somebody dies in the last episode of every season
0: of every season yeah <laughs> i don't know man it, just to me it sounds like you're saying that you think he's gonna run
1: across the street and that's how i it all blows i, I, up I don't face. have a i don't have a solid prediction but like but you just okay, kind of because- you, you kind of said you you basically said what i was thinking is that it's it's horrible To put not blowing your cover a priority over checking, you know, to see if your brother's okay. But I think the way it played out, because he kind of looks like he's like stopping himself from running after him, which makes me think that he won't actually run after him. He's gonna watch it play out, and then, uh, I don't think he's gonna blow his cover. I think, I don't think he's ever gonna blow his cover on this one.
0: So you don't think anybody's ever going to find out and he's just going to hold it in and it's just going to be like eat away
1: at him. I don't even know if it has to eat away at at him. I think it's just, he's going to get what he wants because something else will happen down the line that fucks it all up, but Hmm. I think he's going to get away with this one. All right.
0: All right. Well, I guess we'll have to uh, wait and see. So overall uh, impressions of 209, we touched on it at the beginning, but after chatting, about it for uh this long ass time <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. long
0: long episode this one this week okay so final thoughts perfect
1: I thought it was good too <laughs> no hold on hold on well I don't know if this was like the crazy episode that I thought it was gonna be I, I think I think uh I think that you are going to be more satisfied with season two season finale than you were with season one season finale I'd say that's probably a given. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because,
1: because be... that, the, see, episode nine last season was awesome. That, 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 yeah. and, uh, that last blowout with Chuck and Jimmy was great. Totally. Um, so, and they didn't quite have that feel, but they did have that really, really good scene with Chuck, Jimmy, and Kim. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been a running theme season to season so far as episode nine's got a kick ass scene with Jim confrontation. Right. But, um, I think, uh, I think Mike is going to be more involved in this season finale. Of course, last season finale was pretty much just Jimmy and Marco. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um,
0: Yeah, I don't know. It'd be for me thus far. What out of almost 20 episodes that that was uh, the season finale of of, of season one is by far my least favorite episode (laughs) of the series
1: thus far. So uh, I, I think it'll be I think, because of con- than- I think it's because of context though, right? Yeah Not as just a standalone Because it was a good episode Yeah, it was it, really No, it cool was a good episode It, and, it just and, had uh, such a great build up before that It just seemed like the last episode of last season Should have came before episode 9 of that season You know what? If if episode 10 of last season was episode 1 of this season it'd be perfect mm-hmm.
0: There you go Okay, fine, I'll go along with that
1: Sure, why not?
0: Why not? All right. So anyway, make sure to let Dave and I know what you think. Make sure to keep checking out the nothing important podcast where Dave and I talk to people more, uh, important and famous and, uh, general, generally better human beings than we'll ever be. Uh, make sure to keep hitting us up on Twitter. Uh, we'll try to have more t-shirt contests, probably Thursday. Let me figure out how many I got to send out this week before we do all that and uh dave and i uh with luck will be in la on sunday so if anybody's in la on uh, sunday make sure to hit us up on twitter say hey maybe we can go out and have a drink or two yes. they're paying though i yes. sent out t-shirts so you'll have to pay <laughs> <laughs> i gotta get some of this money back somehow <laughs>
1: My closing remark is that uh, Howard Hamlin's character is like jazz music because you have to pay attention to the emotions he's not portraying. While everybody else is being all emotional and crazy, he's the one that's not showing any emotion, but he's got it all inside. That's pretty awesome. Did you come up with that? Yeah, I made that up. I tweeted it earlier, too. That's pretty good. You like that? Yeah, I, the whole emotion he does. That, um, that was a, uh, a shower principle moment where your mind's distracted and something kind of hits you yeah yeah
0: all right right on i like that that's a good way to end so anyway we'll talk to you later this week on preview with the prior and of course we will have our show up as the credit roll for the finale of season two and uh we'll let you guys know what our
1: plans are after that dave uh, I especially liked it when uh, Lance was questioning Jimmy. He says it's not murder, but sometimes I do take a number two and don't flush. I'm sure you love that joke. <laughs> call us idiots. Call us geniuses. Whatever, just call us. <laughs> or if you're Brant, call us retarded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I found that funny.
2: It's all good, man. All men. It's all good, man. It's